Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to Reach. Uh, I got a question for you, and you, you can raise your hand because this won't get you in trouble at all. Um, so I know a lot of times when I say, ask you a question, keep it inside. Um, do we have any, like, legit, and you don't have to have a big farm, any legit farmers in here, like, grow their own, you know, fruits, vegetables? Come on. No one? What? One? one? Raise your hand. There you go. No one's going to come to you afterwards and be like, you have to come to my house. I mean, maybe they will, but okay, okay. Well, my grandfather, Harold um, Black, that was his name. Uh, he passed away in 2016. He was a big farmer. Um, this this is Harold right here. Ellen's in the background. Uh, my life growing up um, with them, I spent lots of summers around them in Eastwood, North Carolina, which is central North Carolina. There's no stoplight. There's really nothing. Uh, if you've never, if you don't know where Eastwood is, you're never going to find it. Uh, um, but he loved gardening. He had two separate fields as he aged. Uh, one of them stopped being used because it was just too much. But he had the tractors uh, and all the stuff. And, and I had some very good memories and very bad memories of farming. Um, because if you have lived in the South very long, summers um, are hot. And uh, most farming is not done in the cool of the day. It's just done when you can do um, what is needed to be done. So he planted uh, corn, green, green beans, uh, tomatoes, squash, turnip greens, potatoes, and lots of sunflowers. I try to find, he's got this one picture that was in the paper, which that was in the paper, uh, of him in front of his um, sunflowers. That was the name of his um, farm. But he loved it. He loved it so much, and he always produced more than he was going to eat. And so every time I came or anyone came during harvest, they were leaving with a bag of something. Squash, tomatoes, whatever was ripe. He would, he would just, he loved to plant and grow and share his produce. <clears throat> and he had this cool planter. I think we got another uh, picture of this. Um, is anybody ever, did they, has anybody ever used this thing? Never? Okay. So this was, he had one of these and I loved it because it was like when you're eight, nine, ten years old, it's, it's, it's got a little mouth that opens at the bottom. And so what you would do in the, the little shoot right here, you would put like a plant, a preformed, like a tomato plant, a little one. You put it on this side and that big section is filled with water. And you put it in the ground and you would squeeze it. And when you squeezed it, it opened it up, it dropped the plant, it put water in it, and then you pick it up and the soil fell back on it and it would be planted. Cool. It's actually, I think, when I go, it took me forever. I was like, you ever try to find something that you're not sure what it's called on Google? Um, it's weird. So I'm like classic wooden planter, and it shows me planters. And so then I was like, what can I? And I found it, and I think it was traditionally used for tobacco. So they would take the tobacco plants, and they would put them in the rows. Um, and, you know, I don't know why I really showed you that, but, like, that's one of the fond memories that I had of, you know, using the machine. Uh, turn of the century stuff right there. If you're unfamiliar with farming, and I'm sorry, I'm going to dumb this down a lot. I'm not a farmer. Uh, I've helped people farm, but not 
you know, that's, it's not my gifting. Um, if you're unfamiliar with farming, <laughs> you take seeds of whatever fruit, vegetable, or whatever that you want to grow, um, and then you plant those in rows, okay? Real technical. I know if you're taking notes. Seed, rows. Then you water, you weed, you spray for bugs, and you fertilize. And I know there's, you know, debating. He, you know, put stuff on there, but bugs would just destroy your farm, okay? It would, and weeds would. You'd fertilize, and if you did all those things, the plants would grow into the plant that you planted. I know, you're learning a lot today. This is like, man, this is better than um, HGTV or whatever shows they have for farming. I don't know. For example, if you planted corn, you know what would come up? Corn. Shocker, shocker. Um, and do you know something else? This may be even more shocking. Uh, everyone in this room is a farmer. And you may know where I'm going based on what I've said so far. Uh, everyone in this room is sowing seed. Everyone. Whether you're intending to or whether you're casting it out or whatever you're doing, everyone in this room is sowing seed. And those seed are producing something. The question is, what are you planning? That's what we're going to talk about today uh, in Galatians. Um, I, one thing um, that I want you to hear, and you may already kind of made this connection, and this is a truth that you cannot get out of. And only by the mercy of God do we ever have a freedom to, one, walk in this, and two, be faithful enough to do the things that sow the right seed. But you will reap what you sow. You are currently, right now, if you don't like something that's going on in your life, most likely it is something that you've reaped, that you're sowing. And you're like, why are these things happening to me? Why am I always this? Why am I always this? A lot of times, not always, not always, a lot of times it's because you've been sowing this seed. Let's pray. Dearly Father, um, we may be completely ignorant to our farming abilities. We may be completely ignorant to what seed that we're sowing, but Lord, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit today, you would expose the seeds that we're planting. That you would expose and give us a a willingness to plant the right seeds, seeds and do the things necessary to harvest what we want to harvest. Or things that are unconscious in us, Lord, I pray that you would bring to the surface, not that it would overwhelm us, but that we would have the capacity to trust you to help us do the things that you've called us to do. Lord, we know that ultimately we deserve death. Lord, we, we deserve judgment, but your mercy justifies and makes us right in our belief in your son. So Lord, I pray that today you would speak through your word. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Today today is another letter written to Gentiles. We talked about um first Peter last week and it was a letter written to the Gentile church and this is um non-Jews Gentiles. Uh and this one's written by Paul. Paul was writing this letter because a 
group of Jewish believers infiltrated the church and was causing trouble. Mostly, uh, and not the only, but mostly about circumcision. You're like, that's weird. But we don't really think of it this way because we haven't t- looked at it culturally and, you know, whether you feel about circumcision, whatever, and if you don't know what that is, don't Google it. Ask somebody. Um, you know, ask somebody of your own gender, because um, it could be real awkward if you're a female. Like, what is that word? Okay. Anyway, don't know why I went there. Um, but they were coming in, because, and I think well-meaning intentionally, but they had all these cultural things that they did, and they received Jesus, loved Jesus, but they're like, hey, you got to do these things, like circumcision. And they're coming telling the church that if you don't do these things, you're not saved. If you don't do these things, you're in trouble. And Paul was very mad at this and wanted to deal with this. So the whole letter is really telling them who they are in Christ, just kind of like First Peter. It's reinstituting what you're believing in, who you're believing in, who you are in Christ, and dealing with this issue. Paul was trying to encourage the believers in the truth that salvation comes by faith and is in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. I'm going to hop around a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to give, we're, we're primarily going to be in chapter six of Galatians. I'm going to start, um, with five because you don't really get a, you don't really get an understanding of what we're talking about of sowing and reaping without five. So the beginning of five starts with this. It says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And he goes on into talking about circumcision. And I love this. I, I love um, Paul's very crass way of saying, because he tells he's like, that they should go even further and completely emasculate themselves. Like, just read that in between 1 and 14. He's like, hey, don't go just to circumcision. If you want to really fix this, just go all the way. Just I'm not lying. Sit there. And he goes in there going, hey, if you feel that you have to do this to then have this relationship with Jesus, you've missed the point. Because he goes in, in, in before five, he's talking about how Abraham was made righteous by his faith before he did the things. And that's the truth. We will not be justified by observing anything. Like we can do all the right things, but in, but if we miss Jesus doing the right things, don't do us any good. And we see this throughout the Gospels. Those that did all the right things, the Pharisees, well, the right things in their minds, they miss Jesus. They miss the Messiah. Then in um, skipping to verse sixteen, he said, "Keep in step with the Spirit." That's the title of this section. It says, but in the same way, walk by the Spirit. Because he's saying, hey, you can't do the things. Things won't get you what you need. You've got to walk by the Spirit. And do not, and you, so if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Which we're going to look at a section of Romans 8 in just a second and see that again. For these are opposed to each other. Okay, if you've been following Jesus for very long, you have two things living inside of you. You have the flesh, you have the spirit. And the war is, which one are we obeying? And let me just tell you, as a believer, that goes back and forth. 
I would love to say that the moment you say yes to Jesus, you're like only going in this direction. But we have all lived long enough for those in here that are following Jesus to understand that that flesh is still there. And he was saying here, you've got to live by the spirit, because if you let the flesh have any access to ruling and reigning in your life, it will hurt you. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Verse 18, it says, but if led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So there's going to be a list of things that are evidently works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I'm just going to tell you, like some of them you're like, ooh, ooh, nah, I ain't doing that. But every person in this room just got hit in the face by something. And if you didn't, you're deceiving yourself. Or you've perfected something. Find me after church and let me know how you've done it. Um, I'll let everybody else know. And he says something very shocking here. In things like these, I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but like sometimes when you read the word, you're like, holy goodness. Like, you may have perfected some of these, but envy, fits of jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. Mm. Verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is. And Okay, and this is not my primary. I mean, really, we could spend the whole day on just this. If you're a follower of Jesus, this list that I'm getting ready to say is the fruit of the seeds that you should be sowing. And if you don't produce any of these, we need to look at our life and go, why? Because if you aren't producing any of these, then there's an issue um, in your following Jesus. And this is also a hard list because you're like, mm, am I? L- listen to this. So, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such thing there is no law. Okay? How's everybody's self-control doing? Like lunch is coming, you're hungry. Like what's that going to look like in just a second? I'm, I'm telling you, this, the Holy Spirit, as we walk in step with the Spirit, this is what he's going to produce in us. And it's work. It's just like my grandfather, you've got to plant the right seeds to have the right harvest. If you don't plant the right seeds, then you don't get to harvest those. And in the and listen, at the beginning of that, it says the fruit of the Spirit. If you're not invested in living with the Spirit, you won't produce these either. Because you do not have the capacity to produce them yourself. If you do produce something that looks like them, but without the Spirit... You'll be like the Pharisees that felt like, man, I'm doing the things, but I'm missing Jesus. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, okay, 
not even playing with the word, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be, <clears throat> let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So the cool thing is, um, I, I'm reading this book and I've been reading it. My wife saw it the other day and she's like, are you not done with that book yet? I am not. Slow reader. Um, there's a book called Do You Believe? It talks about the 12 essential or 12 essential doctrines, how they should in, influence your life. And I'm, I'm reading right now, like this morning, um, which is perfect because I had no intention of this, but I'm reading about sanctification. So justification is what happens to you when you receive Jesus. When you trust Jesus for your salvation, you are justified, made right because of your belief in him. Sanctification is the process after that of you becoming like Christ, which takes two pieces. It takes the trust in the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Cannot have it without the two. And it takes work. On your end. Period. You cannot become like something. It's like if I want to grow something in my grandfather's farm, you've got to do the work. Like you don't just get the harvest at the end. You've got to do all the stuff that it takes to get that tomato or corn or whatever to the point that it's ready to be harvested. And we are, if you're a follower of Jesus, in the process right now of being sanctified. And here's, here's the scary thing. He's going to do whatever it takes Whatever it takes to sanctify you. And some of that's painful. But you know what? He loves you so much that he's willing to allow whatever in your life to bring this thing that he knows in the end will bring the most glory for him and the most fruit for you. So now we're into Galatians. Um, chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 1, just right after this. So he's just said all these things. Verse 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Restoration is always the hope. There is nothing that the Lord cannot redeem. And it is our job, church, to strengthen and to carry each other's burdens and, and to be there for other in gentleness. I think the church has is, is missed the gentleness part. We love to call sin, sin in a very angry, in a very judgmental way. Which sin is still sin. I'm not saying that we don't do this. But he's saying do this in gentleness. When we see someone, we do this with love. Verse 2, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In chapter 5, verse 14, one of the verses I didn't read in between verse 1 and verse 16 through 26 is this. It says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You want to fix every single one of your problems? Treat people like you want to be treated. It sums all of those things into that. And just a little side note. I hear this sometimes. 
Like, well, no one's done this. No one's reaching out to me. No one's this or no one's that. Just to take this for what it is. Don't complain when others aren't there when you need them if you aren't there for others. I think sometimes we're like, why is no one here? But like how much of our life is verse 1 and 2 where we are helping when we know people, friends of ours, need it, encouraging. Like I'm just going to tell you, uh, I know living, hearing, um, and obeying Jesus is difficult. And, and really getting to that place that you can kind of like discern what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Um, I'm just going to throw this out. This is for free, not in my notes. If you're, you know, being still and doing your devotions or just riding around and, and somebody close to you pops into your head, you're not thinking about them. I know I'm simplifying the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, what if, what if, let's, what if tomorrow, today, that happened? You just like, all of a sudden, you're reading your devotion. You don't have to be reading. You could be driving down the road, and all of a sudden, you're thinking about, like, somebody. What if you just pray, just a little prayer? And then you text them and just say, hey, I'm, I did it this morning to somebody. Doesn't go to our church. I just, was thinking about them, and I just wrote them a little thing saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you right now. I hope you're doing well. Like, just Im- just imagine what it would be. Because you never know what one little encouragement will do to someone, especially when it's through the Holy Spirit. That's just for free. Just try that. Not in my notes. That one you don't even have to pay for. <laughs> verse 3. I like verse 3. Uh, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, <laughs> he deceives himself. I know this is counterculture. Um, you've been saved by grace. But how often do we think we look at other people on Facebook or in life and wonder to ourselves, if they would just do what I did, they would be better. Because we think, oh, man, I've got this all figured out. We all think we've all got it figured out. I remember, I think it was Mike Tyson that says, everybody thinks that you, know, that you can do whatever, but when you get punched in the face, like you just never know how it's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen, but many of us sit there going, look how well my life is, and it's mostly because of the grace of God. It's not like, look, I've done these things, but we look at other people and go, man, I'm, if they could just be more like me. Be careful. When you think yourself something, because we get in trouble, and we talked about this last week in First Peter, when we, through pride and not humility, walk this life out. Verse 4, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. And I just wrote this in here just to give you the visual because we're talking about fruit and we're talking about seed. But think of it this way. How many of us are walking on the bridges that we're making? And I don't mean like a bridge relationship, but just think about this. As an engineer, if we were to go and go, man, I've built this bridge. It's great. But we never get on it. We never go like, look at this. Like how much of our life are we looking at and testing and going, is this working? I think about it all the time. I have said this before. Um, I have some anger issues. 
Uh, most of you would not go, oh, Heath seems like an angry person. I can totally see that. Super nice, because I'm afraid of you guys. I don't want you to think that I'm angry, so um, I reserve all uh, my frustration and anger to those that are the closest to me, <laughs> literally the ones that live in my house. And I, it's something actively I'm working on. I'm actually, uh, I go to a counselor, um, a topic that we talked about this week, and I'm like, hey, how do I live this out? Because I don't want to be that guy. And so how do I stand on this? And I'm testing the work because I don't want to be that guy. Am I following through with the things that I feel like I should be doing in this specific area? And we should be doing this in all areas. Are we testing the load? Because if we're not testing the load and we're like, man, I'm doing great. You really may not be. When stress and pressure pressure come on, we see the quality of our work. Verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And I want to just say, I want to just say, selfishly, if you give to this church, thank you. You give, if you give to this church, part of what you give allows me to do this full time. That's what he's talking about here. That we, we should, those that hear and I'm grateful for all the gifts and all the stuff that God has given us through this. And so much of what you give doesn't just go to me, but it, it does help me have the time to invest in your lives and in preaching the word. So thank you. Side note. Uh, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he also reaps. This is where it gets personal. This is where we cease to blame other people for some of the things that are going on in our lives because it's us sowing that seed. What have you sown and are sowing, you will reap. What you're sowing right now, what you have been sowing, will come to be. It will bring a harvest of something. What are you sowing in your relationships? What are you sowing in the kingdom? What are you sowing into your, your life with the Spirit? Because so many people are like, man, I want to I want to have stronger faith. Like, I want to know God more. But then we'll also not do the things that are necessary for those things to happen. If we want to know God more, we've got to sow seeds of spending time in His Word. We've got to sow seeds of having, you know, reading things and discovering who He is. Many times we're blaming others for the crop that we planted. Now, and I understand there's a parable that Jesus used that, you know, the person went out there to sow the seed and he threw it. And the enemy came during the same time and he threw seeds of weeds. Now, there are weeds in our life that we need to remove, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And sometimes the enemy doesn't do that. But I think we give the enemy a whole lot more credit than he deserves for the things that we're actively Sowing. Verse 8. For the one who sows in his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows in the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Romans 8, which I say this all the time, um, probably my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. There's so much in it. You should read it. If you haven't read it, read it. And if you've read it, read it again, and read it again, and read it again. But in verse 5, it says this, mimicking 
um, verse 8 that we just read. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But the one who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And it goes on to say that if we set our mind on the flesh, we cannot please God. And he's saying here, if we're going to sow in the flesh, that's what we get. You know, anger always, one of my issues, always is the flesh. And for those that think I have righteous anger, probably not. And maybe it began that way, but then we we turned it into this flesh anger. But there's things that we're sowing right now that we need to fix and change. Verse 9, it says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It is so easy to grow weary. I think one of the most challenging things for believers is the long journey that we're on. And how easy it is to get discouraged. How easy it is to get weary. How easy it is to get in this mindset of going, I'm doing the right thing and I'm not getting what I think I should get out of this. For those that want to just read a psalm um, that'll just mess with you, um, check out Psalms 73. Whole image is like this righteous person sees the wicked thriving Doing, you know, getting fat because they have good food to eat. They're, you know, getting wealthy. They're getting all these things. And the person struggling with, like, I want to be like them because they are. And I'm doing these things and it's not benefiting me at all. And it gets to, like, in the 20s, 21, 23. It says, then I entered into the temple of the Lord and I discerned their end. It's weariness if you're not there will happen it is happening and if it's not happening you're you're probably not pursuing either you're in a good season where god's just by grace giving you grace or maybe you're not planting the right thing because i'm just going to say the enemy doesn't care if you're sowing seeds of the flesh he wants you to do that he's not going to be like hey don't do that that'll mess you up jesus doesn't want you to do that So why do we continue? The same thing we talked about last week. We continue because the harvest is coming. We continue because one day we will stand before God and every action and word we have spoken, we will be held accountable to it. Every word. That's why we need to understand justification. That's why we need to be in the process of being sanctified. We need to know who we are, but we need to know that that if we sow the right things, the harvest is going to be awesome. That we get to see what the fruit of what we're doing. Verse 10. says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Okay. In the Greek, everyone just means everyone. Okay? Sometimes, like, what is it? Who? Every? um, I don't want to be good to that person. I don't want to be good to that person. And especially to those who are in the household of faith. So we need to be good to everyone. That's the fruit of the Spirit. 
If you want to test the fruit of the Spirit, it's how we interact with people that don't deserve our kindness and our mercy and everything else. And that's hard. Because you are sowing something. So here's a couple things I, want, I just want to re-say, just in case you missed this. You can't harvest the fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit. You were never made to do this alone. You don't have the capacity to do it. You cannot be the person that God has designed you to be without life with the Holy Spirit. You have to get in step with Him. Next question is, what are you sowing? Do you need to start working with a different seed? My hope this morning isn't be like, man, I don't even know what to plant. My hope this morning is that the Holy Spirit will go, man, this is the seed. And and one of the seeds that I just mentioned earlier is this anger part of me. I don't like that guy. I don't like the guy that's like, I'm doing my thing. I want everybody to leave me alone so I can finish my thing because it is so important. It's not. It's never. I'm just going to tell you. Maybe one out of a thousand times what I'm doing in that moment is more important than what's going on in my house. And the rest of the time, I need to buy, buy grace. And I, I, I'm God, I'm telling you, if you want to work on something, God will help you. I, uh, I have this, this bike in my uh, house. It's called a Peloton. You can get on it and ride it. And I was right at the end of a 45-minute ride, sweating real good. And my daughter calls. I have my phone on the bike. I'm like, okay. She doesn't hardly call me. So when Lydia calls my 20-year-old, I usually answer it. I'm like, hello. And she's like, Dad, it was 425. I forgot my shoes. She worked it out back. Um, I need my shoes. Can you bring them to me? It's 425. We have to be somewhere at 530. With some errands on top of that. And I'm like. At first I was like. Call your mother. (laughs) Maybe she can do it. And so I hang up. And she tries to call Jody. And then I'm like. I feel like the Holy Spirit's like. Nope. Nope. So I call her back. I was like. Okay. She was like. Can you bring them out back? I was like. I have no time. 425. I am sweaty nasty. I have to be somewhere at 530. I don't have time. I was like. I'll meet you at the battleship. I was walked downstairs, putting on my shoes, and I gratefully see my 18-year-old son, who has a car that we help keep running. And I said, hey, take these shoes to your sister, which he will, willingly did. I did slide him $15 before this on Venmo, and so he was a little bit more. But, like, it's the willingness. Like, I'm telling you, if you want to work on something and you commit to the Holy Spirit, like, I want to sow the right seed, and you tell the world or the Holy Spirit. This is God, this is what I want to work on. God is going to give you opportunities to work on it. Evan Almighty is not the gospel, okay? It is not, you know, biblical text. Um, but when Morgan Freeman talked to the wife in the in the diner, you know, he's God, if you haven't seen it. Um, and she's like, you know, when people pray for parent, patience, people think, I want to be filled with this spirit of patience. 
He says, no, 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 no. What God does is he gives you opportunity to become patient. You want to sow good seed and you tell, like, at the end of this, you say, God, this is what I want in my life. Maybe something in you, you're like, this is a seed that I want to stop sowing with. This is the seed I want to sow. Understand that you will be challenged. Understand that you will have to test your sowing. Here's another one. So you you got to pay attention to what you're sowing. And here's the next one. Do you need, by the power of God, crucial element, to pull up things from your life? Maybe there's seeds that you've already planted that you're like, this, 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 i got to do something about. By the work of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that means, I think I shared it a couple weeks ago, um, when I got an attitude with my 20-year-old, story of my life, um, the next morning I met her on the stairs to apologize for my attitude. And that was a, a seed. I, like, I planted frustration the night before at 9.30 at Walmart. If you don't remember that story. And the next morning I had to pull the weed that I had planted and said, I'm sorry, that you don't deserve the frust. And I wasn't like, understand, like I'm not yelling, cussing, and throwing stuff and punching holes in the wall. Okay? And you're like, oh, how angry is he? But I'm not nice. I don't like that. Um, and so I had to pull, and some of you are going to have to leave here and go, I need to pull this. Nope, I've planted this. I need to get rid of this seed that I've planted, and I need to get rid of whatever's coming from it. And sometimes that is this humble way of just going, hey, I'm sorry that I've been doing this. And the last thing that I would say to you this morning is commit your life to kingdom farming. One of the reasons why you do these things is not so you'll be a nicer person. I think the primary reason God does things in us is so that he can use us to do things in other people. And to be completely honest, some of the work God wants to do in you isn't just for you. It's what he wants to do through you to someone else. But you've got to say, You've got to be willing to invest in the kingdom to go, God, I'm here and I want to sow seeds that are going to bring harvest. I felt like this Sunday uh, was a good Sunday for us to have communion. Uh, that's what these little cups are. Uh, we did have one visitor one day set on it and got grape juice all over his pants. So we should probably have a sign at the door that says communion cups on your seat. Please don't sit on them. And you may think, you know, before communion, before COVID, we had little stations up here and it's called intinction. Just a fancy word that means you grab, grab a piece of bread and you dip it. But, you know, like everybody touching the same bread and everybody dipping it in the same thing. COVID like kind of ruined that. So you get this. So th- this is just a symbol, nothing else. There, there's nothing in this that's in itself holy. The consuming of it won't make you better at anything. It's the acknowledgement. Because in just a little bit, I, actually our worship team can go ahead and come up. This right here, and you're consuming it, is an open acknowledgement that you didn't have the capacity to save yourself. 
You don't have the capacity to sow the right seed and to do all the work that is necessary to produce the fruit, but he did. And so the consuming of this is an open acknowledgement that we couldn't. Because Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, with his disciples, he poured out wine. And he told them, when you drink this, you drink of the new covenant. The blood, and hear this, Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there will not be forgiveness of sin. There would be no forgiveness for you without his shed blood. And as we take this, it isn't power in itself, but it's the open acknowledgement that I trust you, Jesus. If you want to be successful in planting and sowing and reaping the right thing, it starts with what we're doing right here. And then on top of this is this very pleasant wafer. The gluten-free people have a different wafer. It's square, not round. But it's a symbol. He, he broke bread and he passed it around. And he said, this, this is my body. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. So today, as we consume during worship, we're remembering that our life would not matter for nothing without Jesus. If you want to start off your day with going, hey, God, I'm sick of sowing this seed. I want to I want to I want to I want to reap something of value in the future. This is a great place to start because this is saying, hey, I need you. And I would say every day, probably the best thing that you can do every day is wake up in the morning and say, without you, I'm lost. And I know this is scary, but every day you can wake up and say, God, I need the work of the Holy Spirit in my life every day. And it's just an open acknowledgement through your words of going, God, I need you because we especially those that try hard to be good people, have a, have a tendency to acknowledge our goodness as our own work. We have a tendency to go, look what I have done, instead of trusting Jesus. Look, every day we need to be reminded that it, without Jesus, we would never be right before God. But with Jesus, you have the capacity to sow seed that will matter in the kingdom. So I'm going to pray. Uh, worship is going to begin. Uh, Paul, in 1 Corinthians, it warns those that are going to take this. Because one of the reasons why we don't do this every week is because I think sometimes it just becomes so like, oh, yes, we're doing communion. Oh, no. And we, get, we move through it. It's this thing that we do. Paul says every time that we do this, we need to check ourselves. We need to be conscious of what's going on. And some confession and repentance probably need to happen before you consume this. And the beauty of it is you have a couple of minutes right here while worship is going on. You do it at your speed. But I do say before you consume, just thank God. Say, God, thank you for what you have done and are doing with me. Thank you that you're unwilling to allow me to stay the same. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. We need the work of the Holy Spirit in us to be conscious of the seed that we're sowing, of the things that we're producing. And we need your power 
to produce the fruit that you desire in us. And Lord, I I pray that you would open our minds to understand the joy and peace that comes from the fruit that you desire. You don't want to limit us from anything. You want to give us the best of everything. And that's where it comes from. Lord, if our struggle this morning with is trusting you, Lord, I pray that you would encounter us. Lord, that you would open our hearts to know you, to hear you, and to obey you. Lord, we need you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.